0: Hello and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's
1: message. Mark chapter 10. Verse 17, uh, we'll read through verse 23. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God.
0: Don't talk about money today. It's going to be a great Sunday. I've been waiting for this for weeks. Oh, it's every associate pastor's dream in life really, Lindsay was like, I don't want to preach about this. Will you do it? And I was like, yes, it's, le- it's, it's less important that people like me here. Um, you cannot like me and still come because you like Lindsay. So um, that's where we're at. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that this morning. But um, hey, let's pray. And as we pray, let's pray for Daniel. How about that? So, Father, we thank you for um, a day. What's well, and your church calendar is Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate the arrival of your spirit. Um, and so, Father, we ask right now that where Daniel's at, your spirit would come, would flood him. I mean, you can do it with tongues of fire. People will think he's crazy, but, uh, but we just ask that your spirit would come where he's at. And God, we pray that your kingdom will bring order and come and bring order to his body completely and fully in the name of Jesus, God. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for our love for us. And in this moment, Father, we need you. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to come. Right now. Flood this room and it 's in your name, we pray Jesus, amen um, so um, over the past few months i 've been able to be a part of a lot of small groups on and off in our church um, and being and being able to talk with people and sitting down and talking with people and When I look in our culture it 's actually something that I think has been something going on for a while or something or this issue that I see in the church, especially with Christians, which um, I'm not, um, which I'm a part of it too, um, and which um, I have thought a lot about. If you've been around here for any time, um, or if you ask my wife, or if you ask Lindsay, um, we'll show up on a Monday morning to meet, and in the first like 30 minutes, we'll kind of just talk what's in our brain, and I'll talk for a while about me breaking down something like a long-held belief I've had, and I'm trying to break it down to something essential. I'm a practical guy, I like things that make sense, and I feel like in faith, we get stuck in life with believing. Um, And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about believing, or the essential key to believing, which I think it is, and my Reformed people, be patient with me. Um, 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 um I'm not necessarily talking about salvation faith, even though you can decide whatever you want this morning, because I'm talking about the essential skill of believing is actually being able to make decisions. Being able to decide. Um now we can be at a place where we believe something for the first time or that we believe something again, but at a deeper level. I don't know if you guys have ever had those experiences before. I have. And these moments are always huge moments in our lives. Um Particularly, though, the first time we believe in something is usually a really big moment. It's like this life-changing moment, and you want to tell everyone about it. Um, And to do this well, we have to have the ability to make decisions so we don't get stuck along the path of faith. Um, And being able to make decisions is the essential skill for believing um, whenever um, I first came to the vineyard, I've been a part of the vineyard, and uh, we had this worship night in which this guy was coming over to me to get prayer for, and he's been around me a few times. I've prayed and around the staff, and if you're around our staff for any moment of time, we'll have these moments in which we just sit in silence, and we'll listen to the Lord, and we'll give a word of knowledge or anything prophetic that the Lord, that the Lord gives us. And he's walking over to me, and he says, hey, I have this really big decision I need to make. Will you pray for me? And what he was essentially saying was, hey, I have this really big decision to make. Will you listen to God for me? And, and I knew that's what he was asking. I was like, okay, man. And we're praying, and we sit, we wait. I hear nothing. And I'm like, man, I think this is one of those moments in time in which Jesus just is trusting you to make a decision. Because sometimes God is silent. And the reason why he's silent is he's like, hey, we've kind of grown up, grown up a little bit here. I trust you to make this decision. And when he does that, just a, a tidbit, uh, whatever decision you make there won't hinder his will for your life or fruitfulness. He's just allowing you the freedom to make a decision. Um, and so he comes over and asks me this. And he's kind of been waiting. He's like a month into this process. And, like, people are wanting to give him a job. He's deciding whether to take it or not. Well, he continues after this to not make a decision to where they just move on without him. He has no job. And then he subsequently leaves the job he's at. He was going to move up. And then he hasn't been back in the ministry since then. Um, he just didn't have the ability to make a decision. And I think our ability to make decision is ultimately affected by what we believe specifically about God. Because if we believe wrongly, it hinders our ability to make big decisions in our life. And so I have a question that I like to ask. If you've been with me sometimes, it's a question that I like to ask you. Because I think it's a little bit more important question than what do you believe. And that's, what are you about in life? Like if you yourself could answer that question, what are you about in life? What would you say? It may be family. It may be your faith. But, but what are you about in life? And the reason why I like asking that is because it makes a di- distinction of what you believe and what you are about. Here's the deal. You can believe something, but are you about what you believe? Is what you believe working out in your life? Does it define your life? I believe this question is a more vital question than what do you believe. Believing something is not scary, but letting a belief define your life and what you do in your life is terrifying sometimes. It can be scary. And, but subsequently, it can be life-changing. It can completely change your life. Um, and I want to talk about deciding because, because after you learn how to seek and learn how to try to find answers, you have to make a decision based upon what you're finding. And that word decision, it means to cut away. It means basically to eliminate options. It just means to have one thing. It's about saying no to things so that you can say yes to something. I don't know about you guys after church. Have you guys ever stood in a group and be like, I don't know, do you guys want to go to Arby's? Oh, I don't care. I'll do whatever you want to do. Well, I don't care either. I'll do what you want to do. And you go back and forth and you're just praying to God that someone will make a decision. That's my wife with me. She's like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. I'll eat whatever you want. And I'm like, no, what do you want to eat? And I'll look at her be like, what do you want? What do you want? And she goes, what do you want? And I was like, I can't make decisions. This is a tough decision this Sunday, for me at least. Um, and I always have trouble making those decisions. But, but, but guys, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, eating out, um, and this is not a pop cultural value today. Our culture preaches to have options, keep your options open And to make decisions to cut things away may mean being a little bit rigid or closed-minded sometimes. It may mean drawing a line in where you stand. To believe well, you have to say no to things. You have to decide. To commit to one thing, you have to get rid of all others when you don't keep your options open. And that's why deciding is the essential skill to belief, at least in my book. Believing is just not about coming to embrace a fact or an idea or a theoretical assent to the truth about something. It might not even be about overcoming doubts because doubts can be an important part of our faith journey. Believing is about deciding on it, just simply making a decision. Have you ever asked someone that they believed in God and they say, well, I believe in God or a higher power out there, but you know, that's about it. Um, This type of person doesn't disbelieve, right, because they believe in something, um, because that would require a firm decision. And he doesn't really believe, does he, because that would also require a firm decision. This sort of mindset is believing without making any decision. Um, And that's death. That's where we can get stuck in our faith journey and in life. And I think believing without deciding is just how we get stuck. I believe, I give a mental assent to Jesus, but I haven't decided if my life is about that yet. Um, I believe in Jesus, I'm just unsure if I'm going to intentionally follow what he's gonna tell me about, I don't know, loving God or loving my neighbor. Um, I don't know about you guys, that happens to me sometimes, right? It's saying I believe in Jesus, but... um, I haven't made a decision if I'm going to intentionally follow through in my personal life. Um, It's like believing in food without eating. And that's terrible. I love food. On me and Christy's week to Atlanta, if you check my Instagram, I ate about 10 donuts (laughs) in three days. One day I ate six (laughs) to make up that 10. I love food. I would hate believing in food and not actually Following through with eating food, um, it's like believing in exercising and not going to the gym. What happens? We all know um, um, what's going to happen. According and guys, and scripture is accordingly chock full of decision moments. That's because when Jesus calls someone to belief, he calls them to a decision. And we see it um, in Matthew 9, nine. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now, that wasn't a seeker-sensitive moment in Matthew's life or in Jesus' life. Um, wasn't he just supposed to drop by and say, hey, let's uh, get some coffee later and let's, let's kind of talk about this following me thing? Uh, Jesus is asking this person on a whim to completely change their life. And what would you do? If he asked you that. And here's a better question, I think. If you got up and left, what would you do then? Because that's what I think Jesus was after. Because once Matthew got up and left, he could never go back. Um, And here's the thing he's a tax collector, so his own people, the Jews, already hate him. And if he gets up and leaves, And decides to go back. The Roman government isn't going to be too happy about the guy who's following this rogue messiah around. And then he just comes back. So making the decision to leave and follow Jesus. And here's the deal. He wasn't even 100% sure the other disciples were going to like him. But he just made this decision. He couldn't go back. All the possibilities he had before him were closed. Because he made the decision. And I think that's what Jesus was after. And so in our scripture today, I'm going to read it again. Um, It says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I feel like that's often overlooked. We just don't stop there. Like Jesus looked at the guy and loved him. And then Jesus says, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And that's boom. That's the decision moment. Jesus gives him a decision point about which he can't fake anymore. He can't fake it at all. He just made it real. Remember now, decisions are about eliminating options, cutting away. And what filled this guy's life with limitless options was his wealth. He had so many options before him with his wealth. And Jesus is saying, give up all your options and just choose me. And come and follow me. And then he says, At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Because he had a lot of options. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And I'm sure, just, and I'm sure Jesus really said this in like a disappointed way. Because remember, he loved the guy. This wasn't judgmental. It was, man, how hard is it? for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. They just have too many options. And sometimes we just have too many options. There's one more passage I think that gets to the heart of this. It's not a nice one. Um, It's uh, Revelation chapter 3, 15 through 16. I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Like, those are strong words from Jesus. Um, Lukewarm is either or, right? It's being in the middle. It's when you are indecisive and not about what you are about. It's when you believe, um, but you're not about what you believe. Jesus is saying, I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were either hot or cold. And what he's saying is, at least if you were cold, you would know where you stand, Because you're cold and you know it. And if you were hot, then you could, you know it. And then you could evaluate the decision you need to make accordingly. But if you are always in the middle and indecisive, Jesus is saying there's not really much hope there. Because that lukewarmness kind of fools us. Believing but not being about what we believe is this tricky territory in life that we have to navigate really, really well. And ultimately, we just end up being stuck there because of an inability to make decisions based upon what we believe. And I think most people have problems making big decisions in life. I definitely do. I'm I'm not, um, um, I can't be excluded from that. I have problems making big decisions big decisions. If anyone asks me about a big decision, like when Lindsay asked me to come here and be a pastor, it's like, oh, I'll pray about that. I took as long as I could and then said yes. That's typically what I do, even if I know the answer. Um, But the ability to make decisions is the key to actually getting unstuck in our faith and believing. Um, So what are ways we can get unstuck in life and believe? Well, number one, become a seeker. Jesus loved seekers. And there's a story in Matthew 13 and verses 10 and 11. Jesus says, or Scripture says, And the disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. And then Jesus goes on this tirade of uh, they hear but don't understand, they see but don't perceive, and I'm saying all this stuff so that they won't understand and that makes me confused because I'm like, I wish you wouldn't do that because I also want to understand Jesus. But Jesus is looking at his disciples and saying, but you, it's been given to you, and you understand, right? Um, wrong. In verse 36, they come up to Jesus. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. So here's the deal. even the, No one listening to Jesus understood the thing. And Jesus has said, the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. And they have also no clue what he's talking about. And I think the reason why the disciples were so great and why I love them so much is they knew the secret of the kingdom. It was, Jesus, I have a question. The ability to seek is the ability to ask questions. And I think that's what Jesus loved. I think that's why Jesus spoke in these parables is because he wanted to see who would come up with the follow-up question of Jesus. What does this mean? Jesus was always looking for seekers. He didn't spend much time on uh, non-seekers, but he spent a lot of time on seekers. Um, Now, now there are false um, seekers in which their questions are asked in judgmentalism and critique. Like most of the religious people, they, they would come to Jesus to ask a question, but really they just wanted to know his answer so then they could trap him or argue with him. I don't know if you guys have ever had that happen to you at all, but that happens a lot. Uh, but Jesus lo- loved those people that were actually seeking and asking honest questions. And I think the ability to be a good seeker is just the ability to be honest um, and The greatest questions are when we're honest with ourselves about ourselves, right? Um, um, It's not like, Jesus, I'm believing. Why don't you come help my heart? It's, uh, Jesus, why haven't I followed through on what I believe yet? What's hindering me from following through on what I believe? Jesus, you've asked me to do this. What is it in my life that's hindering me? And I think that leads us to successful seeking, and then finding the answer so that we can believe and make a decision. Uh, the second thing is uh, the thing that we need to learn is we need to learn to vanquish persistent unbelief and doubt. Um, now, hear me out on this. I said earlier that doubt was a key essential to growing in our faith, and which it is. But habitual, a habit of unbelief and doubt, is not. A habit of being unbelieving and doubting is not. Um, You have to decide to believe, but then you have to vanquish unbelief. Do you guys remember the guy that came to Jesus and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief? We have these moments in which we believe in life, but there's also unbelief. Uh, Let me give you an example um, and a real quick story. Whenever I was, um, for eight years, ever since my Baptist days, and it's it's Pentecost, so I think we can talk about these things. I believed in the feeling of the Holy Spirit but not only one at conversion, but subsequent feelings, because I see it in the New Testament. And so I'm learning, is this a second blessing, or are these just repeated feelings? Dumpy theological terms I don't think most of you care about. But me personally, I really did, because I was really trying to figure out what I believed. But then I decided, no, this is real. So I went eight years praying for this. I was like, Jesus, I don't know what this looks like, but I want it. I want it. And for eight years, uh, nothing happened, or nothing that I thought happened, I got hired here and I decided great Fridays are off, I'm going to the woods every Friday I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray for a feeling of the spirit so I did that, still wasn't working and then we had this guy named Steve Nicholson with the Vineyard who's a whole Holy Spirit guy, he goes all throughout the world and just teaches and ministers to people and I took him out to eat eat before a big important guy to the Chinese restaurant by Walmart you know (laughs) where you have to get up and get your food He walked in, sat down, and waited for someone to bring him a menu. And I was like, man, you got to get up to go get food. He just kind of rolled his eyes and was like, oh, you southern people. He's from Chicago. Um, And so basically we're sitting down and we're just talking. And he goes, hey, so tomorrow I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. What questions do you want to ask? I go, none. I don't want to ask a question. And he goes, well, what do you want? I go, I want you to lay hands on me and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. And he kind of smiles, and he goes, well, he's been doing stuff lately. We'll see. He may or may not. And so he comes in. He does this thing. A few people are freaked out, unsure what's going on, but a few people that know Steve. understand. He's seen the Spirit moving, and he walks over to me. He goes, are you ready? I'm like, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Yes. I've been waiting eight years, dude. You don't know me. I've been fasting and praying for this. And then he goes, okay, Holy Spirit, come and just I felt the Spirit of God come in like a burning desire in my heart. Then my mouth started to shake. My whole body I was like running in place, just going, and the Spirit was just filling me and filling me. And it was everything I've been praying for. And then he leaves and he walks back over. He goes, Hey, you need to do one thing though. And I was like, what's that? He goes, You need to repent of your unbelief. And when he said that, I was like, No 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 no. I've been praying for this for eight years. I definitely believe. But then Jesus kind of spoke to me. It's like, I'm not talking about your belief in this doctrine. I'm talking about your belief in my goodness. You believe you had to earn it, right? I believe for God to bless me, to give me what I was praying for, I had to earn it. And so out of God's kindness for eight years, he would never allow me to earn it. I thought I wasn't good enough. I thought I wasn't holy enough. Um, And then God came in and said, no, this is grace. These are gracelets. These are gifts. You can't earn these. And I was like, Jesus, I'm sorry for my unbelief. So I believed in the doctrine, right? Prayed for it, went after it. But I just had a basic unbelief in the goodness of God, which I think is overall the biggest unbelief we have as Christians. Just an unbelief in God's goodness in spite of us. Because everything in this life with God is a gift. And so we have to learn to deal with the habits of unbelief. And how do you deal with a habit of unbelief? Well, you, deal with, you make a habit of belief. And so what I did in that moment, I started praying identity prayers, in which we'll talk about soon in, in our prayers, prayer series come, coming up, in which I would read a quote in the Bible or Psalms, in which, uh, especially in Psalms where, where it says, God only hears the prayers of the righteous, and I always felt unrighteous. I would stop to say, no, Jesus, thank you for making me righteous by your blood. Not by any deed I've done, but by your blood, you've made me righteous. Thank you, Jesus. And that was me starting to build a habit of belief in my life. And so, to vanquish these things of unbelief, especially in God's goodness, we, we have to build habits of belief. Um, and those are the two things that I think that can help us in deciding and believing well. Number one, learning how to seek, being honest with ourselves about ourselves and why we're not entering into what we believe. And the second thing is um, learning to vanquish uh, persistent unbelief and doubt with habits of belief. And I don't know where that hits you today, but like I find this, or at least the one thing I love about our church right now is I feel like we're fighting for faith, And all the conversations I have and all the people I have, it's like we're struggling for faith with God. And this is why I was like, Lindsay, I think I got something in my back pocket. It's because um, I think this is what God is doing, what God is bringing us through. We just have to make a decision to be about what we're about. If this is what we believe, then let's go for it. But the problem with that is sometimes it cuts off other options. And we have to be willing to follow the Spirit and whatever he's asking us to fully enter into and be okay with giving up options. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay Lin- 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 Lin knows, I think, for the last three months, I was like, hey, Jesus spoke to me. I need to do this. Then we had a conversation two weeks before I went to Elena. And she goes, have you done that? I was like, nope, haven't even prayed for it. <laughs> I go, I go and, and, and it wasn't because I was meaning to be disobedient. It was just because I looked at it, and then I was like, I know what this is going to cost me. Like, I know the time, and I know the things I have to turn down. I know what this is going to cost me. And so, Jesus, I'm just not ready yet. And then I went on vacation, and then I was eating 10 donuts in Atlanta, mind you. Uh, it was hot. It was, 94, duh, duh. it was 94 degrees. And I remember having this moment. I was laying down to go to bed, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm purposeless. And then Jesus goes, are, are, are you ready now? I was like, yeah, Jesus, I, I think I'm ready to press in. And he's like, okay. And so I had this moment. It's like I'm not being about what I'm about, right? And it's like, Jesus, no, I'm ready now. And if that's where you find, find yourself, let me let you know Jesus is graceful and he's willing to listen to you if you're honest with him. So be honest with him today. And then secondly, if you need to build habits of belief Uh, we pastors are here for a reason, to walk with you and to talk to you about building habits of belief in your life. But the band can go ahead and come up. And the only question I have today, this is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know about you guys, but we people in the vineyard believe the Holy Spirit is an active presence even right now, working in this room, working in your hearts, and willing to speak with you. And you may not think, I don't think God can speak to me in this moment. He can. And he's here And so I'm going to tell you guys to do what Steve did to me. Do you have any unbelief, maybe in God speaking to you? Maybe of God entering this little moment in your life, which is so hard? Um, Repent of it. It didn't hurt me at all. In fact, it just gave me more blessing. The Holy Spirit just kept on coming stronger and stronger after that moment. Um, And repentance frees us up to be who we're made to be. And so in this moment, um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you guys. If you need to repent, repent. Be done with it. Move on. Um, And then just allow God to come speak, because here's the deal. Um, I'm not going to ask you a question, because I think Jesus has been asking you questions. Um, And I'm going to allow you just to talk to him. And so I'll give you a moment. Um, I'll ask his spirit to come. I'll give us a moment, then I'll end us, and Lindsay will come up for communion.